Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. Please stay tuned for another lesson on this program by Jeff Archie. Are you listening? We appreciate the introduction, Brother Jay, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Are You Listening? of the International Gospel Hour, and it's good to be with you. Today we once again reach for a recent article to share on this broadcast, and I'll have more to say about that in a moment. But first of all, we would love for you to join us on social media. Go to Facebook and like and follow our page, International Gospel Hour. You can also follow us at Instagram, as well as Twitter at our underscore gospel. This can keep you updated to the latest happenings of the International Gospel Hour, places that we travel, things that are going on, and we would love for you to be a part of our broadcast or join us on social media and you can keep up with our broadcast and the things of which we are doing. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul gave Timothy instructions on what to bring and among them the books, but especially the parchments. You know, when I see that word parchments, it gives an indication of Paul's desire to write, or it could be additional reading that Paul would like to do, for after all, he exhorted Timothy to be a good reader as well. You know, through the years, I've collected various articles. Things come my way, and I like to read, and on this special program, and from time to time, I just like to share some good biblical writings from others that I've come across some recent and some a while ago. Today I'd like to share with you an article titled Let God Do the Fighting, written by Mike Benson of Oxford, Alabama. This was printed in the Magnolia Messenger, spring of 2020. The Hebrews had languished for nearly five centuries under the heavy hands of their Egyptian oppressors, as we see in Exodus 12.40. Generations had known only cruelty, afflictions, and misery— Exodus 1:11-14. In their calamity they cried out to the Lord Exodus 2:23, and he heard them Exodus 2:24 and 25 and 4:31. Now in the fullness of his providence the Lord was ready to bring his people out of bondage. He had previously sent nine miraculous acts of judgment upon the Egyptians, each one more severe than the previous Exodus chapters 7 through 10. Finally, in his most fearsome and awesome display of power, the Lord plagued the nation with the death of every firstborn, Exodus 11 and 12, while he passed over the Hebrews, as we read in Exodus 12, 23 through 28. He passed through the Egyptians, and every home suffered loss, from the lowest member of society to the king himself, Exodus 12, verse 12, and 29 through 30. The Egyptians had had all they could stand and then drove the Hebrews from their domain, Exodus 12:33-36. The New King James Version says in Exodus 12:33, The Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. Oddly enough, as the Israelites exited Egypt, they took what appeared to be a very bizarre detour in Exodus 14, 1-4. From the standpoint of military strategy, the detour God told the Israelites to take was sheer lunacy. 
They were already well on their way to freedom when God ordered them to turn around, go back, and camp between the desert and the sea. Wherever they were, the Israelites were completely vulnerable. They were out on Egyptians' frontier, surrounded by desert, with their backs to the sea. Why on earth would God put His people in this kind of position? Any military strategist would have recognized immediately that they were trapped. From Pharaoh's perspective, the Hebrews had gotten turned around in the desert and inadvertently cornered themselves, so he decided this was an excellent opportunity to force them back into captivity, Exodus 14, verse 5 and following. With their backs to the sea, the king decided it was time to exhibit his own prowess. Yahweh, that is Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, had great power, but so did he. Amenhotep II, the living God of the Egyptians, and he displayed with the full might of his own military forces, including 600 choice chariots, Exodus 14.7. Now think about what was transpiring on this occasion in the mind of the Hebrews. Pharaoh's indomitable army was en route. They would march down into the midst of the helpless Hebrews and crush them. Thousands would surely die horrible, agonizing deaths, while the rest would be dragged back into oppression. It was a nightmare unfolding before their very eyes. Benson continues to write, I've often pondered this pivotal note in Old Testament history. It occurs to me that the children of Israel actually believed God was impotent, at least now, despite His promises to the contrary in Exodus 3, verse 8, and verses 17 through 22, Exodus 4, 21 through 23. Despite the fact that he had raised up a deliverer in the persons of Moses, Exodus chapters 2 through 5, despite the fact that he had shown a vast array of incredible signs and wonders over the past several months and executed judgment against the gods of Egypt in Exodus 7 through 12 and Exodus 12 and verse 12, the Hebrews believed at this moment that they were doomed. They were stuck between a rock and hard place between the waters of the Red Sea and the violent aggression of Pharaoh's soldiers. The inevitable conclusion to hundreds of years of subjugation was slaughter than more subjugation. Jehovah could put on a series of exciting shows, but in the end, he just couldn't save. Watch this. Exodus fourteen ten through 14 And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in this wilderness? Why have you as dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Moses took the immediate blame for their plight. I mean, notice how many times Israel said, you. But ultimately, the imminent death of the Hebrews was God's fault. From their amnesic perspective, he wasn't living up to his word, and despite all of his miraculous bravado during the ten plagues, he apparently didn't have sufficient power to stop the Egyptians now. The truth of the matter was, every expression of providential care, every miraculous act of judgment against Egypt, and every distinction the Lord made between the Hebrews and the Egyptians should have been an occasion when Israel's faith, well as well as ours, 1 Corinthians 10.11 and Romans 15.4 and Romans 10.17, was not only being built but intensified. 
so that by Exodus 14, when Pharaoh's mighty army showed up on the horizon, the Hebrews should have said, Stand still and watch, everybody. God's going to fight for us again. Brethren, even though this story is thousands of years old, it's as fresh and current as this past hour's Facebook post. Think about it. When you're stuck, when you're between a rock and a hard place, and your back is up against the sea, it's tempting to share Israel's faithless and illogical view. God, despite the countless times I've prayed to you, you're obviously not going to deliver me. This detour is actually a dead end. Parallel with that, Psalm 106, 7 and 8. In reality, it's when your suffering is the most palpable, and your doubts have risen to the surface that they must give way to faith in God. Mark 9.24 Pay close attention to what Moses told Israel at this juncture. From Exodus 14.13 and 14 Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Folks, I want to stop right here from our reading and say, let's stand still and see the Lord's salvation. Would you like to know more about the Lord and His salvation? The International Gospel Hour offers absolutely free a Bible study course by mail, so you may study in the privacy of your own home. Just call us toll free at 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-IGH-6988. Leave us your name, address, and just simply say, I'd like the Bible study. You can also write us at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the contact tab, and fill out the information. We'll send you your Bible study as soon as possible. Now, back to this blessed article, Let God Do the Fighting. Reread or listen to those phrases again from Exodus 14, 13, and 14. The salvation of the Lord, He will accomplish for you. The Lord will fight for you. Did y'all catch that? Fighting was God's job. Faith was Israel's job. Dear listener, faith in God doesn't mean we will never hurt or experience pain or be free from troubles. We see those examples from Job 5 through 7, 2 Corinthians 4:17 and James 1, 2 through 4. Faith in God doesn't mean we will never know what it's like to be stuck with our backs against the sea. Psalm 46.1 Faith in God means looking at His deliverance in times past and trusting Him with the same in the future. Psalm 9, 9 and 10, Proverbs 11, 8. It means remembering that He cannot lie, that He's never been caught off guard, and that He's never been impotent or less than all-powerful. 2 Samuel 22.33 Jeremiah 10, verses 12 and 13 and others. It means accepting the fact that He's always in control. He promises to never forsake you and that ultimately even the grave will bow to His divine will. Deuteronomy 31.6, Hebrews 13.5-6 and others. In other words, it means letting God do the fighting because He's the only one qualified to do so. Brother Benson concludes this article. Are you confused by a divine detour? Are you stuck between a rock and a hard place? Let God do the fighting for you. Brother Benson penned this to Christians. Dear friends, may I ask you, 
Are you confused by a divine detour? And are you stuck between a rock and a hard place? We need to pause and let God do the fighting for us. Dear friends, we hope studies such as this will prompt you to do what they did in the area of Berea. They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. If we can think on these things today, let's continue our studies together. Think on these things and search the Scriptures and see the greatness of God. Dear friends, thanks for joining me today here on Are You Listening? I'm Jeff Archie, and until next time, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com.